The scripture today is from Matthew 23, 3 through 14. It's uh, the signs of the end of the age. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and, on, and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. <clears throat> For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be family, fam, famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I enjoy seeing different signs. Um, sometimes I think the signs are, are hilarious. Sometimes they're just very helpful. Sometimes they're very informative and, and uh, you need to see them. The one I, that I almost always laugh about is the slow children present. Doesn't mean there are slow children. It means slow down, there are children present. But if you read it in the right way, it just kind of, you know. I really like uh, looking at church signs. Because they, uh, people use the opportunity to say all kinds of cute stuff on, on church signs. Just a few examples for you. Walmart is not the only saving place. That's a pretty good one. Another church sign said, staying in, bed, staying in bed shouting, oh God, does not constitute going to church. Okay. Another one, I like this one too, it says, there are some questions that can't be answered by Google. Okay, that's good. Another one says, forgive your enemies. It messes with their heads. Kind of like that, too. This one's cute. God does not believe in atheists. Therefore, atheists do not exist. Okay. Um, another one, salvation guaranteed or sins cheerfully returned. Refunded, I guess it's refunded. My all-time favorite non-church sign. Okay, it was just, it was a sign. I'll spoil this a little bit. Actually, it was on a convent, on the, on the outside fence of a convent. <clears throat> the sign says, absolutely no trespassing. Violators will be vigorously prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Signed by the Sisters of Mercy. Stuff like that is just great. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. As we look around our world now, it's not hard to see signs that things are changing. You know, the Bible speaks about the end times and the and signs of the times. And there aren't specifically road signs like that, but there certainly are signs in our society and a lot of things that we look at and say, my goodness, 
things have changed dramatically. Uh, the, the world's becoming a crazy place to live, or, or we see things that, that are mentioned in Scripture, and, and we think God's plan really is coming about. So I just want to talk about reading some of those signs today. And as we begin, some preliminaries, because anytime we talk about the last days, or we begin thinking about Jesus' return, there are some no-nos, some things that we really ought not to do. The first thing I want to tell you is that when we're looking at signs like that, I think it's wisest to view trends rather than specifics. You know, sometimes we read headlines in the newspaper and oftentimes it's about things going on in Israel or things like that. And, and there's a tendency for folks to want to try and take every headline and match it to a specific prophecy and say, see, that event totally fulfills this and that's a sign of the time. And, and sometimes they do match up pretty close, but I think it's wiser to look at trends because there are a few prophecies that you can say this is a very specific you know, fulfillment of that. And obviously Israel becoming a state was one of those. Um, but when there's another war, when there's things like that happening, it's just better to, to look at the trends rather than real specifics. Uh, secondly, and, and I think I'm preaching to the choir, you all know this, but date setting is a no-no. Um, and I think I've told you the story before. I had a high school teacher who had sold his house, who quit his job, all that, because he had determined that Jesus was coming that fall. Uh, and I would love to be able to go back and, and uh, talk with him again uh, about that, because it didn't happen. Date setting is a no-no. Matthew twenty four thirty six says God's the only one that knows that date. And if someone set a date and said, I predict Jesus will return on this date, I think God would change it just so they were wrong. I really do. He's not going to let, you know, that would just be dumb luck anyway. He's not going to rule by dumb luck. So nobody knows that date, not even Jesus. See, so God and Jesus can't be equal. God knows things Jesus doesn't know. Okay? He's the only one that knows when Jesus is going to come back. Thirdly, we just need to be alert and spiritually vigilant. We need to be aware. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Look at Matthew 16 with me for a moment. And, and I just want to share this with you because Jesus is talking here to the spiritually elite or at least folks who thought they were you know who thought they could they could tell the the signs of the times and thought that they were very sharp spiritually and all of that and, and he kind of gives you know kind of rips them here as he often did with the Pharisees and the Sadducees Matthew 16 Jesus says great stuff here verses 1 through 4 the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. In other words, they wanted to see a miracle. You know, prove you're something special, Jesus. Show us a, a sign. Verse 2, he replied, this is great stuff. When evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. But you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. He just had had enough. So you guys want a sign. You can't, you know. There's that old saying, and it's too easy to mess it up. Um, Red sky at night, a sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. They knew that. You know, they knew. He said, you can interpret that, but you dummies aren't even aware that the Messiah is standing right in front of you. You know, they didn't get it. They didn't uh, believe that he was who he said he was. 
They just wanted to see a miracle. They just wanted to see something special and then try and use that against him somehow. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, it's known as the Olivet Discourse. It's a great sermon that Jesus gave about the end times, about events that would take place, about circumstances that would come about. In um, verses 1 and 2, Jesus tells them, he's essentially talking about the temple being destroyed that happened in 70 A.D. So he, he says that, and then we'll, we'll look at verse 3. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, I think it's a great question. I mean, and Jesus makes a prediction about the, the temple being destroyed. That's kind of in that day, that'd be like saying, you know, Washington, D.C. is just going to be wiped out. There's nothing left. So that, it was huge to them. So when they have a quiet moment and they're in private, they come to him and they say, you know, tell us, what are the signs? What can we look for about you coming back and, and about... Um, the, the, the end of the age. And then Jesus answers that question. And he really answers in the rest of the chapter. Um, and we're not going to look at all of that. Edie read for us verses 4 through 14. Uh, she read 3 through 14, but the answer's in verses 4 through 14. going to go through that verse by verse. Um, verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Now, again, they ask, what are the signs of you coming back and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Christ and will deceive many. One of the signs is people claiming to be Jesus, claiming to be the Messiah. Um, if you've been around a while, you can remember Jim Jones in the jungles of Guyana, David Koresh in, in uh, help me, Texas, but Waco, thank you. I'm going wacko, and I couldn't remember Waco. Okay, um, our president has been um, has what did you say, Gary? Wacko. wacko. Shouldn't have repeated that, Gary. Okay. The media treats him like the Messiah, and and it's offensive to me that he doesn't. Uh, that I think he believes it. I, he doesn't put that down. I think like he should. Jesus says, many are going to come making the claim to be the Messiah, to be the Christ. And they'll deceive a lot of people. Verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. See, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's, there's conflicts. You know what? We are a nation at war, and I think people forget that. It's been treated as such a political thing. People forget that we're a nation at war. We have troops in harm's way. Um, and it's going on, you know, daily. And, and Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Those things have to happen, but that's not the end yet. And in verse 7, he says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Don't be surprised. That's going to happen. And then he says, there will be famines and earthquakes in, in all kinds of various places. And I didn't check on the statistics, but I think statistically there are more earthquakes than there used to be. Um, verse 8 says, all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I've not personally gone through birth pains. I've been present a couple times. And, and, and the beginning is not like the end. You know, the beginning of the birth pains are not as bad as what they are at the end of the birth pains. Just before the birth, they tend to be incredibly intense. Jesus says, all these things are normal, natural. They're going to occur, and that's just the beginning. And you kind of get a feeling like, oh, no. 
<laughs> you know, just wait. The, the, the real pain is coming. Verse 9. He talks of persecution. He says, then, after the beginning of birth pains, after all those things, then, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Who's the you? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to followers. I think it was true for them and, and very well maybe true for us as well. Let me pause right there for a moment because some people think, yeah, this is the United States. We're not persecuted as believers. Yeah, and I would agree in the sense that we've not experienced much persecution and certainly not intense persecution, not like people in, in other countries have gone through. But folks, our country is changing. And I do think that there is persecution in many ways. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about marriage. Isn't it incredible that we now have to define marriage as being between a man and a woman? Isn't it incredible that, that legislation has been passed that saying what I said a couple of weeks ago could be considered a hate crime? And I, and I told you that then. That's hate speech. You know, to talk against the radical homosexual agenda, to share what the Bible says that homosexuality is sin, that's hate now. See, there's that persecution that's coming. And that legislation is, is uh, making its way rapidly through Congress. One side says, well, we have to be tolerant. And they're very tolerant as long as you agree with them. But if you say something that's not politically correct and you don't agree with them, I don't see much tolerance. Rather, I really see persecution. Uh, I shared just briefly about the story of Miss California and the USA pageant. She was asked the question. You know, she didn't volunteer that information. She was asked the question. Um, and, and now I, I forget the, the exact way that the question was worded, but it was basically, do you support same-sex marriage? And she said very apologetically that, and she said that. She said, I apologize if this offends anyone. But she said, no, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And holy, you know, you'd have thought ah, she committed the worst crime in history. You know, was, was basically crucified by the media for answering the question honestly, not politically correctly. Okay, there's that kind of persecution. I don't know if you know it, but you have been labeled by the United States government an, an extreme radical. The Homeland Security Department under Janet Napolitano, um, a document leaked out. It wasn't supposed to be intended for public release, but, but labeled um, devoted Christians as, as right-wing extremists, as well as servicemen returning from overseas. You know, it's not direct persecution, but you've been labeled by the government as an extremist because you believe in God, because you practice your faith. I didn't mean to ruin your day. Okay. But see what Jesus said is coming about. Things are not staying the same. The, the words of the Bible are, are, will be fulfilled and are being fulfilled. Persecution will come. Verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So there'll be an apostasy, a, a turning away from the faith, um, a real hatred. And if you don't think there's hatred out there, just speak against homosexuality. Define marriage as between one man and one woman publicly and, and see what kind of loving and endearing you receive you know, after that. Verse 11, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. 
one of the marks of a prophet in the Old Testament was that everything that they said had to come true. If anything they said didn't happen, they were considered a false prophet because they were spokesmen of God. And if they were speaking the word of God, it would happen. And if it didn't happen, you know, they were done away with because they were considered false prophet. And much of the things that people say today are not true and, and do indeed deceive many people. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Verse 12 is chilling to me. Jesus is speaking to followers. He doesn't, and he's already said in, in verse 10, many will turn away from the faith. In verse 12, he doesn't say the love of many will grow cold. He says the love of most. There's a difference there. The love of most will grow cold. And just mull that one around a little bit. Okay. Verse 13. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus saying, hey, you'll be persecuted. The love of most will grow cold. It's going to be rough, but hang in there to the end. Stick with it to the end. See, what I hear him saying is we have to hang on to our faith, folks. What I hear him saying is that the relationships between us really matter. That, that the love that we share is, is incredibly important and, and the influence of the world and, and being bombarded constantly by all the lies and all those other messages, you know, tend to mess with our heads. Tend, tend to, if we listen to that, if we don't hold on and keep growing in our faith and we adopt any of that, it really does impact our relationships. You know, we're bound together by the blood of Christ that's stronger than any super glue. You know, more effective. But all these things will, will begin to weaken that if we let it. So growing in our faith is absolutely vital and important. Verse 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And obviously technology makes it possible to preach to the whole world. But there may be folks in jungles somewhere that really haven't heard the gospel message yet. But, but I think that the time when everyone is heard is very quickly drawing to a close. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 15, Jesus begins talking about events that I think are part of the Great Tribulation. The seven-year period of time known as Jacob or Israel's trouble the, probably the, will be the worst seven years in, in the history of the planet. And, and he shares a, a number of things along that line. Um, talking about what will take place within Israel and some of that. And, and let me just share with you, President Obama met with, I think it's Prime Minister Netanyahu from Israel um, about four days ago. And they, they made a big deal about how long they talked. And I thought that was very interesting because um, what that told me was Obama didn't get, didn't get through to Netanyahu. You know, he didn't lay down the law as quickly as he wanted to. What was reported was basically that we, the United States, told them, Israel, that any military strike against Iran would mean, and I quote, big trouble, end of quote. Okay? Remember I told you, I think three or four weeks ago, predicted that the experts believe that Iran is, is about a year or less away from having nuclear weapons. And I predicted to you that by the end of the year, Israel will deal with that. 
Well, typically they would get permission from the United States because we're their strongest ally. And I said, when Israel strikes, I think Obama will try and act supportive, but won't do a very good job of it. He's already not doing all that great a job of it. Okay? This basically what's being reported was that the message was, don't do that. You know, let's talk. Let's be diplomatic. And Netanyahu probably looked him in the eye and said, you be diplomatic, the, the nuclear warheads won't be aimed at you. And just the other day, I think almost exactly while they were meeting, Iran tested missiles in, in um, the, the nutcase that leads Iran um, said that the test was successful, that they hit the target. Now, I don't know if they were aiming at the sky or the ground. You know, they hit both of those things. So, but those missiles have a range that would, that would reach Israel from Iran. Okay? And Israel's being told, don't deal with that. So the, the Iranian government can sit back and, and safety in their country, launch missiles to virtually destroy Israel. And the United States government is telling Israel not to deal with that. Okay? So when you read verse 15 on, it'll get real interesting. When you begin to think, um, when we read the passages that talk about all nations, Zechariah 14 and other places that talk about all nations being gathered at Israel. And, and all being dealt with, um, the United States won't necessarily be an ally of Israel at that point. So, folks, things are changing rapidly. We need to be in the Word, listening to what God is saying to us. In verse 36, uh, look at verses 36 and 7. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And you, when you read the text in Genesis 6 and other places in the New Testament, it says, you know, they were marrying and being given in marriage and life was kind of going on. And then God got tired of it. And in Genesis 6, it said, God looked at the earth and man was so corrupt, it grieved God. God was grieved that he had created human beings because in the days of Noah, things were so bad. And I look at the world today and I wonder how long it will be before God owes an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Matthew 24, Jesus gives a whole lot of different kinds of events that will take place, of signs to look toward, and again, more trends, folks, than specific events, I think. In 2 Timothy 3, I think Paul's talking more about attitudes. And we, we look at this, and, and we just look at people all around you about, about their attitudes and see if this doesn't sound like it relates exactly to today. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Let me pause. So why are we surprised? There's no surprise. They told us a long time ago it was going to get crazy. Now listen to the attitudes talked about here in verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Verse 6, they're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Are those attitudes mentioned there not highly prevalent in our world today? And it's easy to make jokes and say, well, it sounds just like the politicians or just like this group or just like that group or, or whoever. No, it just sounds to me like the prevailing attitude of our society. Now, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not normally this grouchy. <laughs> I don't mean to be that way. But we're just reading the truth of God's word and, and looking at how it's fulfilled all around us. Jesus in John 16 and verse 33, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So I can still smile. And I'll tell you all those things and I still smile. Jesus overcome the world. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to win. We are going to be in the kingdom with Jesus. may get a little lousy before that. But we'll be in the kingdom with Christ because we've trusted in him and in him alone. Signs of the times look kind of tough. Um, I think there ought to be, you know, the sign instead of saying slow children present, it ought to say slow, you know, slow down, take a look, gang. Okay. So how do we respond? What should our priorities be? First of all, I think we need to either stay in the word or if you're not in a habit of it regularly, you need to get into the word. Paul gives a response, right, in 2 Timothy 3. Okay? I think it's a great response. He says, here's all these absolutely rotten attitudes. Terrible times are coming. This is what it's going to be like. So how do you deal with it? Timothy writes to a, a young pastor. Look at beginning with verse 12 in chapter 3. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Why? Because you're different than the world around you. People don't like different. They want everybody to be the same. Okay? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Verse 13. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says the answer to all those attitudes is stay in the word. He says, Timothy, you know how from a baby you learn the, the scriptures, you learn the word of God. He says, all scripture is useful for life. So we need to stay in scripture. We need to be listening to what God has to say to us rather than the world. Look at uh, chapter 2 and, and verse 15. It's on the bulletin board back there for graduates to think about. We all need to. 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. See, we need to be in the Bible regularly listening to what God has to say to us, sharing that with people. And they say, oh, that's just, I don't pay much attention to that. It's not relevant to me anymore. 
Well, who, who made the decision that God's word is no longer relevant? That's pretty silly. Okay? You can reject it as a book. You can't reject God's word. Okay? In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains or abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whole life needs to be grounded in the word of God. Apart from that relationship with him, we can't do a thing. Not that's productive. Secondly, as we look at the signs of the times, I think we need to evaluate our own priorities it's just so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to, to get off track. Um, boy, I could say a lot there. Okay. You know, we just have to evaluate where we're at in, in terms of our families, in terms of our involvement in the ministry of the church. Um, there are so many other options out there. And, and I just think we need to evaluate a lot of things. I, I've seen people take promotions um, to the total detriment of their family at times. You know, I, I just think making more is not always the best. We just really need to evaluate our priorities. Thirdly, I would encourage you to keep learning and growing, and I may not go uh, get a master's degree in ministry, but I do want to continue to learn and to grow. We are not to stagnate, um, not to be like what's said in 2 Timothy 3.7, where they were always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. You know, always learning or, or whatever, but never really able to apply it to their lives. Never really letting it impact their lives. We don't want to be that way. We do want to continue to learn and to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Fourthly, I think m most of us need to downsize our possessions and upsize our prayers. In Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And I look around and I see how many store, just storage facilities have been built in the last few years because everybody has got so much stuff they don't have room at home. They have to rent storage places. And then you look on garage sale weekend. My goodness, we all, we all have too much stuff. And it's distracting. It takes a lot of time and energy to keep up all that stuff. It takes away from relationships that really matter. Fifthly, we need to stay faithful to Christ. He who endures to the end, Jesus said. Christ is the only way to have eternal life. We need to stay faithful to him. May we not be among those, the many who fall away, or the most whose love grows cold. Father, all kinds of changes are coming about, many of which do not honor you many of which will make it tough to be a believer and to stay faithful. But you've told us that, Lord. May we not be surprised. May we just uh, be prepared. May spiritually we be strong. May we continually look to you and, and hold to that anchor of Christ and to your word where we'll find truth that doesn't change. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.